Well, all of us have experienced some wonderful times of joy in our life, haven't we? Just times and days where everything just seemed almost perfect and it was just a lot of happiness in our heart and, and rejoicing. And, and I hope for all of you that Thanksgiving time was one of those times where just being around friends or family, there was just a lot of joy involved. And we thank God for those. That's part of what Thanksgiving is about. However, all of us have also experienced some very difficult times as well in our life, haven't we? We've experienced times where we have suffered either for a little bit or for a long stretch, had some just very hard times. And what I want you to do, though, is have hope and know this morning that we can rejoice during those times as well. We can thank God during those times as well, and we'll see why in a little bit. I'm going to first give you an example of how at times we can suffer or have disappointment, and maybe even when we least expect it, which makes it especially hard, doesn't it? Linda and I had uh, friends in Texas whose daughter years ago um, was going to go to the University of Texas, so she was all excited about that. But she was even more excited in many ways that she uh, was going to try to get into a sorority and her expectation was that she would get into one of the 12 sororities at the University of Texas, and there she would be part of like 80 girls in that sorority that loved each other and supported each other and did enjoyable things together. So she was all excited about that. So that August, right before school started, she went to Rush Week. And Rush Week at the University of Texas is where 5,000 young ladies go for one week to visit different sororities, and uh, they get to know the sorority, the sororities get to know them, and at the end of that week, the sororities pick who they want to have come into their sorority. Unfortunately, out of the 5,000 girls that go every fall, every August to Rush Week, hoping to get into one, to a sorority, out of the 5,000, only 2,400 get accepted. That means 2,600 gals by the end of that week who had their hopes up get profoundly disappointed and discouraged. And our friend's daughter was one of those. Well, we've all been through times of discouragement and stuff, haven't we, where we had hoped to be accepted by a certain person or a certain group uh, as their friend, but it just didn't happen. Or we're in a relationship that goes well for a while, then suddenly something happens in that relationship and it becomes hard to even get along. And it's really disappointing, isn't it? And it fills with a sadness. Maybe, maybe we tried out for a certain job and we didn't get the job. We thought we'd be just perfect, perfect job for us, and we didn't get it. Or maybe we've gotten suddenly, uh, at some point, bad news about our health. And we had really been looking forward to, in our good health, doing certain things, and suddenly we get this news about bad health, a bad report. And because of that, we're discouraged. And because of that, we may even become afraid about the future. Oh, Lord, with the suffering and difficulties I'm experiencing now, what else is down the road? Am I going to end up experiencing more difficulty than I can bear, than I can deal with? And we can start to fear the future. Well, I have good news for you this morning. It's from the Lord and His Word. It's that if we've trusted Jesus and our Savior and Lord and are living for Him, we don't have to be afraid about the future and any future suffering. 
I love it, for example, in Psalm 112.7 that says this, the righteous will have no fear of bad news. If you're this morning a believer in Jesus Christ, you've trusted him alone as Savior and Lord, you are righteous in his eyes. And as we then want to live for him out of gratitude, live a righteous, godly life, you don't need to have any fear about the future. The Lord's got us. And in James 1.2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. So instead of fearing, we can rejoice as we look to the future. We know God is promising us these things. Now, why is that, though? Why should we rejoice? I mean, that, that's a pretty high standard, Lord. Even when I'm suffering in some really hard ways, you say that uh, I can rejoice. Well, why is that? Why does the Lord tell us that? And he does that all over the Bible, but let me just mention a couple verses. James 1, 3, and 4 assures us that any suffering we go through can help us grow in Christian maturity. And Romans 8, 18 tells us whatever suffering we go through now is nothing, it is nothing compared to the great glory and joys of heaven that await us. So scripture has many promises from God that reassure us we have good reason to rejoice even as we face the future and even as we go through troubles right now. So, I don't know about you, but when I hear of some of these things that I've just mentioned, some of these promises of God, part of me used to go, God, is that all there is? I mean, yeah, it's nice that heaven is waiting, and it's nice that you're helping me grow, but God, I need more than that. When I'm really hurting and really going through difficult difficult times. I need to experience something as well. I need to feel something right now in my heart or I'm not going to make it. God, is there more? And fortunately, God in his wisdom and love says, yes, there is more. And we're going to see this morning that the Lord wants us to truly experience some things, some blessings while we are suffering. And he promises us that Let me give you a human example of what I'm talking about, and then we'll see some scriptures that show God wants us to not just have head knowledge about his promises, but experience them in our heart when we're going through hard times. The example I want to give you, have you ever been in a group of people, um, and someone in the group starts sharing about something hard that they're going through? You know, especially if you're fairly close friends with each other, that's going to happen. Someone shares that, wow, here's what happened to me the other day, and I'm really worried, or I'm really fearful or discouraged. Now, in the group, there's often, if there's several Christians in the group, there's often two types of people in that group. One type of person wants to give that hurting person some spiritual truth, okay? And there's nothing wrong with that. Spiritual truth is good. When we're going through hard times, we need to remember what is true about God, and that can help our emotions. And so someone in the group might say, oh, that sounds rough, but but don't forget, Romans 8, 28, God causes all things to work together for the good or whatever scripture. And you know what? It's good to hear scriptural truth when it's at the appropriate time. But oftentimes there's another person in the group who doesn't say a word when they hear this person is hurting and they just go up and just give them a big hug. How many in this room are more the huggers when you're around somebody who shares? Not a majority, but we need you. Go out and recruit more huggers. We need more huggers. And I didn't always used to be able to say that. In fact, most of my life until recently, I didn't really like getting hugs. I remember we were at a church in uh, our last church we were at in uh, 
San Antonio area, and there was, there was an older guy who from the minute I started ministering in that church, we, I was there eight years, he would come up to me and he would give me a big hug every time. Not that I was uncomfortable, but every time he'd give me this big hug, and I think he might have gotten the hint that I was uncomfortable because as he, soon, soon as he started doing that, I would stiffen up and try to take a step back. I, I think he might have got a clue that I was uncomfortable with that. But over time, God helped me, and I was like, all right, Lord, this is a good thing. Help me get through this, this hug. And so I didn't go, you know, try to get away, and eventually came to the point where I was able to appreciate it and appreciate his hug. So we all, I believe we all need that, whether we like it or not right now. Some of us don't like hugs, but here's what we do need, even if we don't like hugs. When we're hurting, we need to be in the presence of someone who loves us. All of us need that. We need to be in the presence of someone who loves us. And especially, we need to experience God's presence who loves us more perfectly than anyone ever could. We need to experience his presence and that he loves us and wants to comfort us and so forth. And there's many, there's many uh, verses that promise us that, that we need to experience God, not just know him intellectually. For example, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 says that God is, quote, the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles. The word comforts in the Greek is a present tense. New Testament was written in Greek. Present tense in Greek refers to continual or habitual action. God wants to continually or habitually comfort us and help us experience his comfort. That's what that verse is saying. And the fact that God is the all comfort, God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, that means that God has all the comfort we need for every situation. Isn't that good news this morning? No matter what we're going through, he has all the comfort we need for every situation. No one else has all the comfort we need. Nothing else has all the comfort we need. And fortunately, God knows that. And he makes it clear in his word. He's the one to go to to experience his comfort. There are many other scriptures that make it clear that God just doesn't want us to have head knowledge, but to experience his blessings, his presence at just the right time. Psalm 23.3 is talking about God wants to refresh our soul. Isaiah 41.10, God wants to strengthen us. Matthew 11.28-29, God wants to give us rest. Romans 5.3-5, God wants to give us hope and love. In Philippians 4.7, God wants to give us peace. These verbs in these verses are experiential. God wants to ex- us to experience these things at just the right time. Now, at this point, I can hear it. There's a question forming in some of your minds. I can hear it. And the question is this. Scott, what about times in my life when I was suffering and I didn't experience God's presence or blessings from him? Huh? What about those, Scott? I was really hurting, and I prayed, and everything, everything that I thought I was supposed to do, and I still didn't experience God's comfort or presence right away, or maybe not continually. Well, wow, you're a tough group this morning, all right? But, all right, I'm going to try to answer that objection or that concern. And one way to answer it through Scripture is to look at verses like Lamentations 3, 25 and 26. It says this, the Lord is good to those 
whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him, it is good to what? Wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. In context, Jeremiah, who wrote uh, this book, has been suffering terribly. He has seen the Babylonians kill and destroy Jerusalem and many of its people. And so Jeremiah is saying what his experience is and what he believes the Lord is telling him to reveal to us is that sometimes we have to wait on the Lord uh, and, and to be saved. And salvation here refers to being saved from bitterness and discouragement. Talks about those things in this context. Sometimes we have to wait for the Lord to save us from some of those negative emotions and help us experience His presence and blessings instead. We have to wait on Him. Now, I don't know about you, but wait is one of the least favorite words in my vocabulary, okay? Wait. I hate that word. I hate that word. And some of you might hate that too. I mean, I hate, I hate waiting for gas at Sam's when the person ahead of me is taking forever to pay with the credit card on the machine, get the nozzle out, walk over, put the nozzle in, and they're looking at their phone, and then gas is... You get the point. That just drives me nuts, okay? Waiting for gas at Sam's. Or waiting for a red light. I'm in a hurry and the light turns red and it's just like, ah, I don't want this to be red. I hate waiting on the Lord, okay? Or have you ever, late at night, been on the way home, you're tired, you just want to get home and it's late at night and you stop at a red light and you look around and there's no other car around. What are you tempted to do? I've never done it. But I know some of you are tempted just to go on through that red light. You say, why should I wait? There's no cars around. Nobody will ever see me. I'm just going to go on through. So I never have. God forgive me for lying. I never have, but I know some of you have struggled with that. So wait. We don't like to wait on anything, and we don't like to wait on the Lord when we're hurting. And... Lord, why are you making me wait? Don't you see how hard it is for me right now? And by you letting this happen, I'm not able to do some of the other priorities in my life, Lord. So why are you making me wait? Well, God, because he loves us and because he's an all-wise God, has some good reasons why he makes us wait at times during suffering before we can experience his presence and all his blessings. Now, why might he make us wait? Well, one of the verses that talks about why is in Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 and 3. In these verses, by the way, Moses is talking to the Israelites who've been wandering through the desert for 40 years on the way to the Promised Land. God's been making them wait. And now in Deuteronomy 8, 2 and 3, the Lord tells them and us why he sometimes makes us wait. He says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna. So according to these verses, there's a couple main reasons why God sometimes makes us wait to experience him when we're suffering. One reason is this, to test us and reveal what is in our heart. See, it's during our time of waiting in the, on the Lord, first of, all, first of all, that certain sinful attitudes may be revealed that are in our heart that we may not have even known about. Certain attitudes like not being very patient 
and being willing to wait on the Lord and other people. Uh, certain attitudes like, we really have made comfort our false God. Instead of making trusting and following Christ our, alt- our greatest priority when we suffer, we don't realize it, but comfort has really become our top priority and false God. And when God doesn't give us the comfort we need soon enough, we don't like that one bit. We've made comfort a false God over the king of the universe. There's, a, there's another thing or another reason why God sometimes causes us to wait according to Deuteronomy 8. And by the way, when we sense those bad things coming from our heart, let's just be quick to go to God and say, God, help me grieve over those things. I confess those things and I thank you that you will forgive me. So let's finish doing that as well. Also though, like I said, in Deuteronomy 8, there's another thing that God wants to reveal to us or wants to do in our heart. And that is he wants to humble us, those verses say. In other words, God wants us to remember that we need him. Isn't it true that when things are going well in our life for a while, it's easy to kind of forget about God and forget that we need him? And God knows that that's a a bad direction for us to be heading as we wander from him we're not going to experience all the joy he wants us to um, and, and the close relationship he wants us to experience and have with him. So God will allow suffering in our life just as a little reminder, hey, you, you need me. You've kind of forgotten that. You need me. So he humbles us in that way. Um, other reasons God may make us wait. Sometimes he's waiting for us to ask other believers to pray for us. I'm amazed over the years that people, Christians who are going through hard times, they don't tell anybody. And I find out months or even years later, oh yeah, I was going through this really hard time. Well, did you tell anybody and ask for prayer? Well, no. That's being a Lone Ranger Christian. God doesn't like Lone Ranger Christians, okay? He wants us to go take our heart when we're hurting to him right away and then go to a few others that we trust and ask them to pray for us. 2 Corinthians 1.10 is talking about that, asking other Christians to pray for us. So let's make sure we do that. One other big reason God may make us wait on Him before we really experience Him during suffering is that He's waiting for us to trust Him with all our heart. Trust Him with all our heart. I love Second Chronicles 16.9 that says this, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are what? Fully committed to Him. Being fully committed to the Lord means to trust, love, and obey Him with all our heart. Nothing else. No one else. He's first in terms of receiving our trust, our love, and obedience. And when we do that, what does 2 Chronicles 16.9 promise? that he will strengthen our hearts. We will experience his strength, his comfort, his hope, his joy, everything that we need. That's a promise that we will experience those things at just the right time. Now, in terms of trust then, let's focus on that for a minute. God wants us to trust him in the midst of a trial so that then eventually we can experience him in his presence. Romans 15, 13, Paul says this to the believers in Rome, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you what? Trust in him. Psalm 28, 6 and 7, praise be to the Lord for he has heard my cry for mercy. My heart what? Trust in him and I am helped. That means the king of the universe suddenly shows up in your life and heart and helps you get through whatever you're going through as we trust in him. So, 
What we're saying here is this. When we're, when we're hurting, we have to make a conscious decision to trust in the Lord. Lord, I am really in trouble right now. I'm afraid. I'm discouraged. You're my only hope. Lord, help me trust in you above all. Give me faith to put it in you because you have proven yourself trustworthy through the cross. And as I look up past in my life, you have proven yourself trustworthy. Help me trust in you. Two main ways we need to trust the Lord, by the way. One way is to make sure that we've trusted Christ as our Savior and Lord. That's what saves us, starts a relationship with Him, and and helps us get to heaven. Trust Christ as your Savior and Lord. Trust Him that only His death on the cross could pay for our sins. We could never do enough to do that. That's trusting Him as Savior. Second of all, we need to trust Christ as Lord, that He is the King and Master of the universe, and He deserves to have us follow Him the rest of our days. We're making a decision to trust that that is true, and we, Lord, are going to follow you the rest of our days. We're not going to be able to do it perfectly. Thank you. You forgive us when we don't. Thank you. You help us do it. But there's a sense in which to be saved. We need to trust Christ not only as Savior, but as Lord. And he will help us do that. And when we do that, then we become his children who are eligible to experience his presence and all of his blessings. Second main way we need to trust the Lord, and I've already been kind of getting at this, is we we just need to trust him alone to give us what we need. We need to trust Jesus alone when we're suffering to give us a sense of his presence, his comfort, peace, and hope, and so forth. And when we don't do that and we start turning to other things, what we're really turning to are false gods. And we all know what false gods are, don't we, in our life and in the life of people around us. Things like alcohol, watching too much TV, being on our phone too much, computer, um, food. Uh, There are many false gods that we can turn to when we're suffering. We also may turn to anger. Because you know what? When we're hurting and feeling kind of weak and vulnerable, some people turn it into anger because that feels a whole lot more powerful. That's a dead-end road. The anger, our anger is never going to solve anything if that's what we're counting on. Another false god people turn to is just shutting down. It's very sad when I see even Christians who have been through some suffering who have shut down their heart. You can just tell it. There isn't much emotion there. And... They've shut down their heart, and that's sad. We don't need to go that route either. Another, one other thing I've seen even Christians do at times is they start to beat themselves up. When something hard happens in their life that causes them to suffer, then they just start to think of themselves as losers. And, oh, I can't believe that I did that which caused me to suffer. I should have known better. I'm such a loser. And they start to beat themselves up. I had a uh, mom here in the church tell me that uh, one time when she was pregnant with her first child, she had a sonogram at about when the child was about 20 weeks old. And she said it was, it was a real shock as they're watching the sonogram of this 20-week-old child. This little one put his fist up to his forehead and he stuck out his thumb sideways. And then suddenly, to their surprise, he stuck out his little index finger straight up. In our culture, what does this mean, stand for? Loser, right? Loser. And it was super funny. And you know, of course that child's not a loser. (laughs) 
even though this happened. He's not a loser. And either are we. If we've trusted Christ as Savior and Lord, we're not a loser. We are children of the King. We are royalty if we're children of the King. We are beloved royalty of the King of the universe. And no matter what we're going through, let's not start heaping blame on ourselves in that. No, let's instead trust God, our King and our Father, that He loves us perfectly. He has a good plan, and we just need to wait on Him and let Him work it out. And when the time is right, He'll give us all the comfort we need. Amen? Amen. Thank you. We're not losers. We're children of the King. And let's not go that direction to try to get comfort uh, thinking we're a loser. Let's trust Him, the great Father and King who loves us. You know what? As other people see us trust Christ in the midst of our suffering, they're going to be drawn to Him. As they see us trust Him and, and then eventually experience His love and that we can continue on even under tough circumstances, they'll go, wow. I don't normally see people who are suffering act like that. I wonder why they're acting that way. No, wait. They're a Christian. Maybe I should check out the Christ that they follow. Maybe He can do that for me as well. They're drawn to Christ as they watch us trust Him during suffering in our lives. Just briefly, what are some other ways to trust the Lord when we're suffering? Well, we need to mourn and grieve. Matthew 5, 4, blessed are those who mourn for they should be comforted. To mourn means when we're suffering, you go to the Lord, admit and cry out to Him that we're hurting and realize that He's our only hope and then ask Him to help us trust Him above all else. Also, when we're suffering, we need to trust the Lord to give us perseverance. That's promised in many places, such as Romans 5, 4, James 1, 4. Because here's the deal. There are times in the midst of our suffering where we don't experience God every second or every minute or every part of the day. But you know what does happen even when we don't experience Him? He promises to help us persevere. And, And most of you know what I'm talking about. You may not feel God's presence on a certain day when you're hurting, but you do persevere, and He's the one helping you do that. You do keep going that day. All right, I, Lord, I want to follow you this day, and uh, I know you're with me, even though I may not feel your presence right now, but I know you're with me, and let's go. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to trust, love, and obey you with all my heart this day. God will still help us persevere that day, won't He? And He promises to help us do that. We also need to trust that when we're hurting, that the Lord is hurting with us. He's hurting with us. In 2 Corinthians 1.3, the Lord is called the Father of all compassion. That word compassion means when we hurt, God hurts. When we hurt, God hurts. Isn't it wonderful to know that? I also love it that along with hurting with us, the Holy Spirit in passages like John 14, 16 is called our encourager or comforter or advocate. I believe that when we're hurting, the Holy Spirit wants us to feel His comfort. Just like uh, I love it in Romans 8, 16, He reminds us that we're children of God. And I think that's more of an experiential thing in some ways, but especially when the Holy Spirit Himself is called our comforter, encourager in John 14. That's definitely experiential. And I think there's times we need to listen more to the Spirit when we're hurting and just say, Spirit, is there anything you want me to know right now? 
And let's be open to the thoughts he puts in our mind and on our heart. And I think at times like that, he tells us things like this. Don't give up. Don't give up. I'm with you. I'm ready to give you all the power and everything you need when the time is right. So just continue to trust me and I will be there for you each step of the way. Don't give up. So, one other thing I want to mention to trust when we're hurting is let's trust the cross. Let's trust the cross and what it tells us. I love Romans 8.32, which says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? In other words, God is saying there, hey, I sent my son, my only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you. And since I did that, can't you trust me to give you everything you need when you need it? In context, that's what he's saying. Even when you're suffering, trust me that I'll give you what you need because I sent my son on the cross for you. What better evidence do we need of God's love and the importance of trusting him when we are hurting I talked to a man a few years ago in Texas that he, was, he was, uh, didn't believe in the Lord. He was mad at the Lord because in a war he was in, he saw terrible suffering. He said, why would God do that? And we were getting ready to move out of town. His daughter wanted me to talk to him as a last-ditch effort. And I met with this man. I began to talk to him about the cross. Jesus, the king, dying for us, suffering on the cross. And I began to ask him, Can you trust a God like that? A God who would go to the cross for you? Well, God melted his heart that day. And he also received Christ as his Savior and Lord, and he died just a few weeks later. God was good on his timing, wasn't he? And that's what we all need to remember. When we're suffering, maybe we're starting to get mad at God. Wait a minute. You sent Jesus for me, didn't you? He's the king but he died for me. Forgive my bitterness, Lord, my anger. Help me make a new decision to trust you above all else and continue to live for you. Well, now let me start to move towards a conclusion, especially since I'm getting kind of weepy, which I know surprises Denny and some of you. Um, We need really what we're trying to do this morning is answer this question. When we're suffering, what can we expect from the Lord? Is it just head knowledge? No. According to Scripture, we can also experience Him, His presence, His blessings. He promises us that. In fact, in light of everything we've been talking about this morning, here's one way, I think, to answer that question in a biblical, balanced way. When we suffer and then trust the Lord... The Lord will help us to experience His presence and all His blessings at just the right time. Let me say that again, and I'd feel even better if you'd write it down, because you'll you'll need it the next time you're suffering. When we're suffering and trust Him, the Lord will help us experience His presence and all the blessings we need at just the right time. Let's also remember that God uses other people to help us experience Him and His blessings. 2 Corinthians 7, 6, Paul talks about how God comforted him through the coming of Titus. Isn't that great when God sends someone our way just when we need it to give us a word of encouragement or a hug or whatever? Praise the Lord. Let me close with this story. 
few years ago in uh, Texas, the church I was in, there was a Sunday school teacher who was in his mid-60s, which is really the prime of life, is, is what I learned. Um, and he was a great Sunday school teacher. He, when he taught class, he had like 40 people flocking to his class to hear him because he was a powerful teacher and he had such enthusiasm as he taught. And it was wonderful. However, one day he came to church and he was very discouraged. He was walking slow. His head was down. And I asked him, let's call him John. John, what's, what's going on? He said, I've just been giving the, given the diagnosis by my doctor that I have Parkinson's. And he was so discouraged. And I prayed for him. I tried to comfort him the best I could. But then God gave me an idea. I arranged for John to have a lunch meeting with a man our church named Greg. Greg, a few years, five years earlier, had been diagnosed with Parkinson's. But Greg had learned to trust God in the midst of it. And he, had, he was a man who walked around with great joy experiencing God's comfort and presence. So I arranged for Greg and John to have a lunch together, and I wanted to be there. I wanted to see what God was going to do. And so John was right by me in the booth. Greg was across from him, and uh, John is sitting there, head down, discouraged. But Greg began to speak words of life and love and comfort from God into John's heart. And he was saying things like, John, I know it's hard to receive a diagnosis of Parkinson's, but God's not done with you yet, just as he did with me. God is going to give, God loves you. You're his son. He's so proud of you as you have followed him all these years. And he's going to be for you and with you every step of the way. He will give you all the comfort and everything you need. And he's going to use you to show other people what it looks like for a man of God to trust the Lord. John, God's got great plans for you. And that day, as Greg spoke words of life into John, I saw John, even within a few minutes, start to lift his head. And he looked at, and he looked at Greg, and he had, he had, for the first time I'd seen him in a couple of weeks, he had peace on his face. Where there, used, where there had been hopelessness, he had peace. And where there was discouragement, there was true joy and hope. I saw God use Greg, and he used, can use each one of us to help someone experience the presence of the living God. How good is that? So, as we close, I just want you to remember the next time you're suffering, maybe it's now, next time you're hurting, remember this, remember what God promises you and all of us who know Christ. He will help you to experience His presence presence and all the blessings we need at just the right time. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.